today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. We start out and we see that Jesus has given his disciples authority. And let me just tell you guys, if you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, then Jesus has also given us authority in our lives. I want you to hear me when I say that. Jesus gives each of us the authority to go out and do the same things that the disciples have done. We've got to have faith that we can do it, first of all. And I feel like a lot of times we feel like, oh, God stopped moving in the first century. His disciples, they're all dead and gone. We've got these great books, but the Holy Spirit's sleeping. Guys, I'm telling you, the Spirit is alive, and we need to, we need to push for that. We need to make sure that we're doing what God has called us to do, and that is changing lives by healing the sick, praying for the poor, loving the widows and the orphans. Next, we see Jesus feeding the 5,000. Guys, 5,000 peoples, have you ever been in a room? Peoples. Have you ever been in a room with 5,000 people? Where have you been in a room with 5,000 people? Concerts. All, all kinds of great big things, right? Football games, basketball games, soccer games. I mean, not in the United States, but other places in the world. 5,000 people is a lot of people. 5,000 people need to be fed as Jesus is talking all day. I'm assuming Jesus was a great speaker and had them totally enthralled. And nobody wanted to leave and they stayed and they stayed and you know they're getting hungry and Jesus says, let's feed these folks. Five loaves of bread and two fish. And there was enough left over that the disciples picked up 12 baskets full. Guys, God gives in abundance. Not only what you need, but God gives in abundance. And that's not to say that you just get to sit back and collect on what God is doing in your life. I, I feel like there's a lot of people today that would say, Jesus just does for you. Just say this prayer and magically God is going to provide. And I'm telling you, that's not the way things work. Um, also, God doesn't want us to sit still and just receive. There is nowhere in scripture that I've ever found where it says, just sit still and God will bless you and you'll be rich and you'll get all the things in the world that you need, that, that's not scriptural. But we see Jesus do something incredible. He feeds 5,000 people, and there's enough left over that I'm sure they picked up those baskets, and they didn't just set the baskets down somewhere. I'm sure they went and fed more. We serve a God of abundance. Jesus then looks over at his disciples and says, Hey, guys, I'm hearing some rumors. Who do people say that I am? Well, some say, Jesus, that, that maybe you're one of the prophets reincarnated, like you've come back to life. Maybe, Jesus, you're John the Baptist. I know his head is gone, but maybe you're, you are now John the Baptist. Some people think you're Elijah, one of the strongest prophets in the Old Testament. But Jesus, people are talking about you. Yeah, they want to know who you are. Jesus looks at Peter and his disciples and he says, guys, I'm, I'm hearing all that, but who do you think that I am? Peter says, you're God's Messiah. You are God's chosen one that will deliver his people from death. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are everything we've been waiting for. Then we have this moment where we skip over eight days, right? Eight days later, they're going up onto a mountain to pray. And in this moment where Jesus is praying with the disciples, they're walking up there and all of a sudden, and it says his disciples are a little bit sleepy and they're probably not fully awake. Have you ever been in that moment? Some of you are in that moment now, I can tell, it's fine. Uh, but if you've ever been in those moments, you, you have to kind of question yourself, what's happening? 
What's, and you're rubbing your eyes. What's going on? They see Jesus has totally been transformed. He's been transfigured, right? Jesus' face now is just shines in glory. His, his clothes, they say, are like the flash of lightning. Like it's just, he's just so bright, you can't really look at him. They're, I'm sure they're just kind of covering their eyes trying to see what's happening. And then they see two people standing. You got Moses and Elijah. The, the, the law, Moses' law, is the first five books of the Old Testament. And then you have the prophets. Elijah is one of the strongest prophets in the Old Testament. So Jesus is there standing amongst the law and the prophets, almost like he's come to fulfill those things. And in a moment, there's a cloud that rolls in. And the disciples are afraid. What's happening? I don't even know. And then in a flash, Jesus is alone again. The disciples look at Jesus, Peter especially, and says, Oh my gosh, this has been the coolest thing I've ever experienced in my whole life. I need to build a shrine right now to all three of you. Jesus, let's stay here in this moment. Let's stay up on this mountaintop. I just feel so good about being here. God, you, you are made known. Jesus, I recognize you. Could you imagine, first of all, looking at Jesus and realizing that he's not just a man. He's the son of God. And it was made evident in a flash to his disciples. Guys, he revealed himself like he has never done before. I'd probably be a little bit like Peter. This steak is delicious. Jesus, you're the son of God. Oh, my Lanta. And I would love to stay in that moment. Peter says, let me build you a house right here, right now. I'll gather up sticks and stuff because... I don't know where they're going to find bricks and stuff on the mountain, but I will build you a shelter. Let's build something for you. Let's remember this moment. Let's commemorate it, and we will never forget that you are the Son of God, and we saw you face to face right here. There was a moment in my life where I, for the very first time, encountered Jesus as a real, living Savior. Some of my story is that I grew up in the church. I was born at the front pew of St. Mark's United Methodist Church and raised there. Uh, my family, uh, all seven of us, would come to St. Mark's every Sunday morning at the 8.30 service. Let me tell you how much that was terrible as a child. Uh, and we would sit on the very front row, all seven of us, so my three brothers and my sister and my parents, and every one of us. I, I, one child is pretty hard to maintain. Two children... At least they have each other to play with. But, but there were five of us on the front pew of the church every week. So inevitably, every week, we're doing something dumb, right? I grew up in that church, and I just thought that I was a Christian because I grew up in the church. I thought that's what being a Christian was. I go to church every week. Yay. That's not what Christ calls us to. It wasn't until I was 14 years old. So mind you, I have been a Christian my, Christian my whole life. It wasn't until I was 14 years old that becoming a Christian actually meant something to me. When I encountered Jesus for the very first time, guys, my life at church uh, up until that point in my youth group, from sixth grade until I was, uh, gosh, about the ninth grade, youth group for me was pizza and basketball and the ladies. And that was my faith. That was the extent of it. Pizza and basketball. Well, then the church did something I thought was horrible. They hired an actual youth pastor, right? 
So now I'm not able to play basketball and eat my pizza like I'm used to. Now I've got to sing silly songs with a DVD. Like back then in the mid-90s, that was a big deal. DVD players, you're welcome, young people. But doing worship with a DVD player was super lame. But at the time, oh man, there was nothing like it. Because all I had heard to that point was church hymns, right? And so for me, being able to sing with people my age around me, having a youth pastor who lived and breathed Jesus and showed us what Jesus was, for me, I encountered the risen Christ for the first time in worship when I was 14 years old. And my life has been changed ever since then. And the hard part is, as a Christian, I want to go back to that moment, right? I want to go back in time and just always feel that presence of Christ. Like, God, I know you're real. I felt you when I was 14. Come, feel, fill me up with your Holy Spirit, God. I want to go back to that moment that changed everything about my life. I was going to be a doctor. I was going to have money. Now I'm a pastor. And I'm in school. I'm doing nothing but paying money. God wrecked my world in the best way possible. But I, I can't stay in that moment. How many of you guys, if you've been saved, right? If you know that you believe in Jesus, how many of you remember the moment where you're like, oh my gosh, it clicked. Jesus is alive for me. Oh my gosh, it makes sense. God is real. Jesus is alive. He died because I'm a sinner and he wants to love me forever. Think back on those moments in your life. And if you haven't had that moment, it's coming. Stay with it. It's coming. The thing is, Jesus looks at his disciples, and I'm sure he's like, we can't live on the mountain, bro. We got to come down off the mountain. We have to leave that moment in our lives that we never want to leave. We have to come down out of that, that spiritual high. And you know what? We've got to re-engage the world. Could you imagine if the disciples built Jesus his house up there and Moses his house and Elijah his house and then they never came down from the mountain, right? There's a lot of weird things that happen in that case, right? Jesus doesn't die. There's no resurrection. Paul doesn't spread the word of God because, you know, Jesus is still hanging out on a mountain somewhere. Like there's a lot of things that, that happen if we are not willing to come down off of our mountain. Some of us have never been up the mountain, right? The spiritual mountain. And I recognize that. Maybe some of you have never, maybe some of you didn't grow up in church. Maybe some of you have never had that moment of, that epiphany of, oh my gosh, what I've been taught is real. But I promise you, if you're willing to walk a little bit and continue on this journey, there's going to be that moment in your life. And when you have that moment, you can't stay in it. I have so often tried to replay the same songs that I used to play back in 1994 when I was 14. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Anybody? Open my eyes. Right, so that for me was life-changing in 1994. Thank you, Jesus, that music has gotten a little bit better, right? But I, I, I still find myself wanting that feeling, wanting that moment. And it's okay for us to reconnect emotionally and spiritually back to those times, but we got to keep pushing forward. 
Because here's a situation, when we come down off the mountain, we look around and we see that there are thousands and thousands of people who need Jesus. And we've got to be the ones that introduce them to our Lord. There's a lot more here in my sermon. I, I've totally gone way off the deep end. This is not where I was going. But I will tell you this, God created us to be in a relationship with him. And we are created in God's image. And so the closer we are to God, the more that we're going to reflect who God is. If we can meet Jesus on that mountain and we can see his face like the glory that who, who Jesus is, if we can see that, if we push for that, if we reach for that, then eventually we're going to begin to look a little bit more like Jesus. Maybe some of our veils can be removed. And maybe the world doesn't have to search so hard because now there's a Kathy version of Jesus and there's a Tim version of Jesus and there's an Alan version of Jesus. There's a lot of like little Christs walking around this earth loving people infinitely and giving sacrificially for those people. My prayer for all of us this week is that we are transfigured ourselves. That we are transfigured and we are made like Jesus in such a way that people recognize him through us. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that we don't have to do this alone. We are so thankful that you gave up every single thing for us. We're thankful that you weren't afraid to reveal who you are to us. And we're thankful that your word promises us that we can look like you. So gracious God, continue to move in such a powerful way in our lives that we recognize you around every corner, up every mountain, in every alley. God, we want to see your face. And Jesus, we want to be a reflection of you to this world. So Holy Spirit, continue to work on our lives. Continue to help us find you in the moments that are tough so that we can help others find you in those same moments when they're at their lowest, when they're stuck in a, in a mess. God, let us bring them hope. Lord Jesus, we just pray that you will continue to move this morning, that you will show up in our lives, God, that we will encounter you in a way that we never have, and that your spirit will be poured out on us. God, let today not be about one hour sitting in church, but let today be like, a way that we as your people can be refilled and refreshed so we can go pour ourselves out into the world. God, don't let our faith be about us. Let our faith be about others. Jesus, all these things we pray in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. 
If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.